Hi, everybody. Kim Honeycutt here. So glad you're a part of what we are doing. This is ICU Talks podcast, Hear Voices, and I cannot stand the stigma against mental health. And that's why we do what we do. So we had a 20-minute speaker come and help us to end that stigma. Her name is Samantha. I can't pronounce her last name, people. She's from Africa. I'm not going to try. So just know on Facebook, her name is Samantha Kelly. I can say Samantha Kelly. So you're about to get 20 minutes of someone who shares honestly about the pain of abandonment with her dad and then the love of being chosen by the Heavenly Father. Enjoy. Hey, y'all. <laughs> um, so, can't believe we're here. It took forever to get here, but we're here. Um, so, tonight, I just kind of want to start as I start when I meet people. I think when people first meet me, they have no idea or unsure of who I am, where I'm from, because I don't really have, like, I guess, an accent or features that, like, are just out there. So, I kind of like to start by letting people know who I am so you can kind of I guess, decide for yourself. Um, so, on a hot summer day on August 22nd, 1987, in the middle of a tiny country in Africa was born a baby girl. I'm not telling that story. I'm just kidding. But seriously, um, I was born in a small country on the west coast of Central Africa called Gabon. Um, I moved to the States when I was about 10 years old and did not speak a lick of English. Um, well, now that I'm fluent, I realize that most Americans don't speak English. So um, it would have been so great to have learned that fact as a preteen when I was very insecure about my English. <laughs> but I also realize that most of you, have, I've probably lost you because you're out looking for my accent, and I don't know why I don't have an accent. Um, when you find it, let me know. Um, I do know that when I get upset or frustrated or maybe nervous, um, it comes out sometimes. So if you pick up on something, that's probably where that's coming from. Um, but tonight, I really just want to talk to you um, about my dad. Um, and in doing so, I just really need to introduce you to someone um, to really tell the story. So I'm going to have this picture go up. How cute is she? <laughs> She's me. <laughs> um, so yeah, so she's really cute. We're going to keep her up um, the whole time because so much of my story has to do with childhood me and how I'm navigating as an adult. And so I kind of want this mental image of, of me to kind of get ingrained in your head. And then when you think about me, you can be like, oh, Sam, she's cute. <laughs> um, but in, like I said, in talking about my dad, um, I have to first address this little girl. And let me just tell you, um, this girl is a very passionate. From what I've been told, she threw a lot of passionate tantrums. So um, God bless my mother who had to put up with that. But um, she is also very compassionate. She is full of life, um, a little bossy actually a lot bossy still, um, and she's just free-spirited and the boss of herself. Like, you can tell her anything. All of which I'm actually learning to truly embrace as an adult. But with all of the things that this little girl, I guess, portrays in me, I do have some beef with her. And my beef with her is that this little girl insists that her daddy loves her. 
You see, we, both she and I, haven't been in a relationship with our dad for over 20 years. Yet, she insists that he loves her. He refused, she refuses to accept that she's been abandoned by her dad. She insists that the word abandon is a grown-up word, and she doesn't know what it means. When she thinks of her daddy, she imagines a time she fell out of a broken chair and almost busted her top lip in half, and her dad came running for her. He ran and scooped her up and ran frantically as she bled all over his shirt. He wouldn't wait for a cab to be fetched because his little girl, who was probably being more dramatic than the situation called for, was in tears, being as loud as she could be, and he needed to hold her. See, she refuses to believe that her daddy is capable of abandonment. So she's made up her mind that he's perfect and he's her hero. She's decided that she's never felt so loved, so safe, so wanted than that scary moment in her life. So a few years ago, I was 26, <laughs> and I suffered my first heartbreak. He was my first boyfriend. It was great. <laughs> um, and he was my best friend at the time, had, had been my best friend for about five years. And it completely wrecked me. And y'all, I literally thought I was going to die. I had never experienced anything like that before. Um, so if you have ever gotten your heart broken, you know the feeling where you're just like, I don't know if my heart is going to stop. I, I really don't know. So I was in that place and had no idea how in the world I was going to overcome that. So a few months after that, because, you know, that's enough time to get over a heartbreak and a five-year friendship, I felt weird, and I was like, it's time to get over this. Like, why am I still so sappy? It's time to move on with life. And so I was in my counseling program and did what any counseling student would do. I tried to counsel my way out of a broken heart. And obviously, it did not work. So I went to a therapist, a real one. And there, I had realized for the first time in my life that I had been in grief for 16 years because the feeling that I was feeling, the relationship that I thought I needed to go to counseling for was not really why I needed to go because that broken heart opened a wound that had been there and hadn't been taken care of for so long. So here I was in counseling thinking, I need to grieve this relationship. But God had different plans for me. So, in counseling, I came, I came into contact with the fact that I needed my dad. And I wasn't really sure why I felt that I needed my dad. But you see, adult me was about to get my life rocked because in that place, I realized that me and God, we weren't as tight as I thought we were. There was a part of me that I hadn't fully given over to him. I didn't know how to be a daughter to a dad. I mean, I had survived all of those years convincing that little girl she didn't need a dad. And she'd done great with that one for years. She survived child sexual abuse. She made it through a toxic home life with an abusive stepdad. 
She overcame years of insecurities that stem from being hit on, sexually harassed, touched, and threatened by older men. She even put herself through college and grad school and somehow turned out to be a healthy type of weird. So why did she need a dad now? Have you ever tried to reason with a child? <laughs> I babysat once when I found myself in an argument with a six-year-old about why dessert, was, why dessert only came after dinner and why brushing one's teeth was for the greater good of society. <laughs> so needless to say, this feisty, sassy, and stubborn little girl was not about to let adult me reason her out of wanting, needing her daddy. I tell you what, in one counseling session, I came to terms with the fact that I actually did need him. But no, not the dad who never came for me. Not the one whose phone call never actually rang. Not the dad who shows up when it's most convenient for him. And certainly not the one who sometimes calls on her birthday. No, I realized for the first time in my life at 26 years old, I needed my dad. And that God, he wanted to be that for me. All through the New Testament, we see something beautiful about Jesus and God's relationship. God's introduction of Jesus is when Jesus is getting baptized and the heavens open. And God said, this, this is my son whom I am most pleased with. And we see Jesus pray, Father or my Father, over a hundred times in the New Testament. What is so significant about that? Psalm 68.5 says, God is father to the fatherless, a defender to the widows, and that is God in his holy dwelling. That means God being my dad is him being himself to the fullest. His holy dwelling could be viewed as his home. But here's the deal. If you came to my house, I would not be looking like this. My hair would be up, makeup off. I would be so comfortable, you would think I'm on vacation. I'd be eating a snack. <laughs> you know what I'm talking about. <laughs> I would be eating a snack, and you would not recognize me in public, probably. And the Bible says, that is God when he is being my dad. He is comfortable, he is who he is at his most, and that's who he wants to be for me. And I get to experience that. So, I needed to know that someone, that someone was coming for me and I needed to know that I wasn't dying of a heartbreak. I needed to know that I was gonna be okay and that someone was gonna fight for me Someone was going to fight to be in my life. Someone was going to choose me. But here's the thing. I am chosen. Every moment of every day, I am chosen. God chose me before I even had a name. So when I catch myself wondering, why didn't my earthly dad want me, fight for me, or choose me? I have to come back to this truth. I am fully known, fully loved, and absolutely chosen. 
So last October, I found myself in this very room, sat in the back. A friend invited me. I remember that night so vividly. It was the day after my heart had been shattered in the way I couldn't begin to tell you. You know how some things break and you can kind of find the pieces and put them back together? Yeah. My heart was in pieces and I sat here hearing other people's stories and was reminded of how much my dad knows where every broken piece of me is and he knows how to restore me. I was reminded in that very moment that though I felt far from chosen, chosen was the very thing God called me. I was his. When I was a kid, I had a problem with sharing. I think I've overcome that for the most part. Not sure. So I know what it's like when something is yours. When you say mine, that sweet feeling you get, the sense of owning and treasuring. God said that about me that night. And as I struggled to sit through the talks and hearing other people's testimonies of his goodness, God said that. And I stand here tonight and he says the same thing about me. I am chosen, I am his, and I am treasured. So I went back to counseling a few weeks ago. I'm sure that doesn't come as a surprise to most of y'all because I'm talking to childhood me. So um, I am. I'm back in counseling, and it's so good, y'all. God just uses it so much in my life. Um, and, but here's what I'm learning this time around, right? This time around, I'm learning that the grace of God gives me the space to grieve the trauma of my missing dad. Because he isn't jealous of my dad, he's jealous for my affections. So I am learning to create the space for adult me to grieve the dad that many me so desperately fights to hold on to. But I don't do so empty-handed. I get to grieve with the full heart knowing that God holds me in the palm of his hand. And in the same way my earthly dad came running for me when I busted my lip, my God has been vigilantly pursuing my heart since the beginning of time. He has wiped out the earth to start over because the sin that would keep me from him. And he graciously watched his son be separated from him on the cross so that I may never know the reality of being abandoned, abandoned or forsaken. That is the safest, most loved, and most wanted adult me will ever feel. My earthly dad may not be around, and trust me, it's the one thing I think I will most likely grieve in one capacity or another for the rest of my life. And I miss him every day. But even in his absence, God tells me and has shown me that I don't have to live my life not knowing the love of a father. And that the very thing many of me believes about my earthly dad is only a glimpse of who he is. Louis Giggler wrote a book recently called Not Forsaken. And in that book, he makes this statement, which I think is so profound. He says, God is not the reflection of your earthly dad. He is the perfection of your earthly dad. You see, when my dad isn't around, God says I'm present. 
When I cry out in such agony that words can't describe, God tells me that he hears my cry. When I wonder if I'm enough, God reminds me that I'm entirely his. When I want nothing more, when I want nothing more than to hide under a rock on Father's Day, he reminds me that he is the dad whose promises are always true, whose words are safe, and whose love is an active choice. My Abba comes running for me when I cry out. He hears my every cry. He's always home and he never misses a beat. He's available and I have his full attention. When my dad says, ask me again, it isn't a threat. He's actually saying, ask me again, daughter. I hear you, I see you, remain in me. And I've been able to see my God, my Abba, come running for me. He comes every time I call. He knows every time I bleed and hears every silent scream. He puts me back together. He even gives me hugs through the community of believers he's blessed me with. He doesn't condemn me when I forget that he's not my earthly dad and mistrust him because of it. By the grace of God, he's lavish over my life. I get to be my daddy's little girl. See, what she insists her dad is, my dad is the perfection of that. And I want to have her faith, a childlike faith to believe that my dad, God, is who he says he is, always and forever. And by his redemptive grace, he will never, ever leave or forsake me. And though the work of the wounds I carry with my earthly dad isn't over, I can rest in that I am simply my father's favorite child. Y'all probably don't know that, but I am God's favorite child. (laughs) And I have a whole life of broken things made new, dead things made to life and joy that spews from sorrow to prove it. So, my journey isn't over. As I stand here tonight, I stand in the grace of God as he he does the healing that needs to take place in my heart. As I surrender and pick up, surrender and pick up again, the brokenness that is my relationship with my earthly dad, the work of God is alive in reconciling me to himself that I may be able to walk hand in hand with this little girl who simply needs to be held, validated, and shown grace. Because she is me and I am her, and we are treasured by our Abba Father. I no longer have to try to convince her that the dad she's holding on to isn't coming for her. No. I only need to love God with my whole heart, mind, and soul. And trust that he's taking care of her, healing her, and loving her. You see, God doesn't doesn't dismiss her and he doesn't condemn her. He sees her, he loves her, and he holds her. One thing I've learned in my time as a therapist, when I've had the chance to see clients, is that there are wounds and then there are daddy wounds. And for me, my daddy wounds cut deep because they're the source of all insecurities, fear of abandonment, fear of no one ever wanting to fight for me. 
And so I know in speaking about that, that I'm not alone. And most of you don't know me, but my heart (laughs) is to be able to fellowship with my dad. And I can't speak of how much he's loved me without inviting you into that. So I just want to pray for you before I need to get off the stage. So let's pray. God, I just thank you so much for the opportunity to proclaim you. Father, I thank you for the grace to know you as my dad. But God, you know this room, and you know everyone in this room, God. You know the struggles, you know the fears, you know the bitterness and the unforgiveness, God, that some people may be carrying with their earthly dads. But Lord, we just proclaim tonight, Father, that you are perfect. Lord, your love for us is perfect. And so I want to surrender any broken heart that's here tonight that's just really wanting to be wanted by their, by their dad. God, I pray that you would reveal themselves, that you reveal yourself to them. Father, that they would know you, that they would know your promise to be there, to be their dad. God, that you would show them that you are protector, you are pursuer, you are lover of their soul. God, I pray that you would hold every child of yours that's in here just grieving, grieving not having an earthly dad or or maybe relationships that are severed. God, I just pray, I pray, Lord, that you would show up. God, that you would show up as dad because your word says, God, that that is who you are, Lord, in your dwelling place. And so, God, we just invite you into that and I just release any hurt, any condemnation. God, I release that and I just ask, Holy Spirit, that we would make room for you in our lives. Thank you so much, Jesus, for the work that you have done in me. Thank you so much for the opportunity to get to proclaim you, God. You are so, so good and we are so undeserving, God. But we praise you because of your goodness, God. In your precious name we pray, amen.